Greetings, and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and uh, with me as usual, we have Patrick Brewer. What's up, Patrick? How are you doing, man? Good. How are you, James? Uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, trying to figure out uh, what the Padres have uh, going for them this year. It's a, it's a little bit of a difficult beginning for them. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Drew, Prom- Drew Pomerantz has looked uh, really well, uh, although he got roughed up a little bit last night, but uh, I think that's to be expected considering uh, the start that he had. Um, Myers, Will Myers has looked really well so far this season, so, you know, we've we got to try to think about the positive things, uh, if you will. Yeah, there's definitely good to be seen. I mean, it's obviously not good all around, but I, I, don't, I don't think I expected much more, so... Yeah, no, it is what it is, and uh, you know you have to look at the bright side. Uh, Hunter Renfro is really swinging the bat well in the minors. Uh, Hedges is swinging the bat well, so you know there will be a, a influx of young uh, Padres soon. It's just a matter of uh, unfortunately getting through the season and, and developing uh, for the future. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely uh, some brightness in that future, so we just got to hold out hope here. Yeah, for sure. You know, m- your boy Melvin Upton's really swinging the bat well. You know, I. Talk to me about Melvin. How 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 uh, how uh, how well is that guy swinging the bat? Yeah, I mean, I I expected him to play well in a full time role because uh, last year he really surprised me a lot. I mean, I know people gave him a hard time and oh he was he sucks or whatever, but he was actually I mean I would argue better last year than a lot of people really thought or expected. So he was obviously in a, in a, a minor role. I mean, he only played I think seventy eighty games, but. Mm-hmm. In that full-time role this season, he's really excelling, and um, I think he could be a, a useful player for the team, or even a useful, <clears throat> excuse me, a useful trade piece if it comes to that. Yeah, no, definitely. I, th- I think uh, his value is definitely on the rise. Uh, you know, defensively, he's just looked phenomenal out there and left. He's really, uh, he's really made some spectacular plays. He's showing off his arm. It, you know, it's he has value. Um, you know, the Padres going into the season would probably have liked to have been able to move him. And I think now they're at the point where they're kind of contemplating, you know, how much money they'd have to eat to move him, and and whether it's even a good idea at this point. I I'm not, I don't really think they need to eat that much money at this point. I mean, he's shown he's at least somewhat valuable, and with the way contracts have been just growing and growing and growing, his I think he makes what like 14 million over the next two years, including this year. So it's not really a, a huge unmanageable sum of money at this point. I think Matt Kemp's more of the guy who's got a an unmanageable contract. So I think they uh, yeah. could definitely swing something with Melvin at the at the deadline if they need to or if they want to. I mean, maybe eat a couple million dollars, but I don't think it's really going to be that much of an obstacle. I, I think I, if correct me if I'm not wrong, but I believe Upton's do almost thirty million or or over thirty. I thought he was at fifteen this year and sixteen next year. I, 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 we'd have to check the numbers, but I'm I'm pretty yeah, I sure. It, he... I thought it was like fourteen, fifteen. Uh huh. For per year, right? And I think yeah, I think it's only under contract through next year. Yeah, he he only has two years left, so you know it's not the worst contract uh, by any means, and you know his production is definitely making it uh, worthwhile for a contending team. So it, it'll be interesting towards July to see uh, you know exactly what the the Padres do. Oh, you're right. It's uh, a little over sixteen this year, a little over seventeen next year. So about yeah. halfway through this year at the deadline, it'll be about eight million for this year remaining. So about twenty five million over a year and a half. So yeah, definitely not. I don't think that's too crazy. I mean. With what no, some I mean, of these guys are getting these days, I don't think that's a, a huge unmanageable sum of money. 
Definitely. You know, it's all about his production and, and how he's swinging the bat and how he's playing defensively and, and stealing bases, which will, you know, justify the contract. And, you know, he's more than more than able to, to justify the, the hefty contract, if you will. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, well, this is our 19th episode of uh, the EVT Padres podcast, and uh, we are lucky enough to have a little bit of a uh, – Sports legend here, uh, San Diego sports legend is going to join us today. Uh, Bernie Wilson, who's actually covered the Padres and Chargers um, since 1991, which is, you know, that was that 25 years. That's that's quite a long time. So he's seen a lot uh, to do with the team, and we're excited to get an opportunity to, to talk to him and, and uh, see what he has uh, to say about the team. Yeah, definitely should be good to talk to Bernie. He's obviously been been around a while. He's been through the ups, been through the downs. He's he's yeah. seen a lot. Yeah, definitely. He's seen he's seen the fire sailed years and and uh, as well as the uh, '98 championship year. So it'll it'll definitely be interesting to to talk to him. Uh, when we come back, uh, we will have the uh, Bernie Wilson with us, uh, AP sports writer uh, in San Diego. All right, folks, thanks for joining us here on our uh, 19th podcast. Uh, we're lucky enough to have a San Diego-based sports writer for the Associated Press uh, since 1991. Uh, Bernie Wilson is with us today. How are you doing today, Bernie? Pretty good, guys. How are you? Uh, we're doing well, uh, licking our wounds after uh, yesterday's um, Padre meltdown again, if you will. Uh, you know, it's it's tough. That bullpen is is, uh, is looking shaky. What, what, what are your thoughts on, on the bullpen, uh, Bernie? Well, you said shaky. Uh, I could use other words, but since this is probably a family <laughs> podcast, I better not. Um, after, you know, covering the meltdown Saturday night at Petco and then the meltdown Sunday afternoon at Petco and, you know, and then watching the meltdown last night, it's it's pretty brutal, uh, to put it bluntly. I mean, the, the numbers that the bullpen gave up just the, the Saturday and Sunday games at Petco were unbelievable. You know, they allowed 10 runs over the final three innings Saturday night and then five runs in the late innings on Sunday, gave up home runs, gave up triples. I mean, it was it was just ugly. And, you know, the thing that uh, is very apparent that, uh, you know, we, we scribes in the press box run a lot of smack talk. Uh, one, one thing the Padres really should consider doing is bringing back Kevin Towers as a, a – uh, bullpen consultant i mean you, every general manager has about 10 or 12 special advisors you know for this that and the other thing and you know maybe the padres need to forget metrics and analytics and just bring kt back and get some arms down there because it's uh you know greeny andy green the skipper said sunday that you know he he doesn't see any need to panic that it was a short-term thing two bad games but you know, last night wasn't as bad, but there there obviously are some serious problems there, and you know they need to address it sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, there, there definitely are issues. Do, do you see any relief uh, as far as the minor leagues coming up? Is there anybody down there that can help them? You know, maybe uh, John Edwards when he's healthy. You know, it, it's it's tough. There's yeah, really I mean, <laughs> bring. Well, that's that's the thing. You just stumbled into it. I mean, they're at any position. They, you know, AJ so savage the the minor league system a year ago mm-hmm. um, that that he got rid of all the talent in that uh, 
you know, win now attempt, which, you know, is admirable that they tried. It's just, you know, they they left it so bare that there really isn't anybody who can come up and help now. And I think this season, uh, obviously coming in, nobody gave them a shot. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's like a sacrificial season to try to get to what, whatever's down the road. And I, I'm not quite sure what the blueprint is here. Um, they were planning on riding the big three horses, um, Ross, Kashner, and uh, Shields, and, and Ross is now down. He made one start, and we're almost to the end of April, and he's at least, you know, Greeny said over the weekend, two weeks away. So, you know, yeah. and haven't covered the Padres as long as I have. You, know, you can almost double <laughs> that just to be sure. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, it, it's not good. One of your horses is down, and there's really nobody – Riding to the rescue, and when when you have two Rule Five guys on your roster, I mean, I'm not a GM caliber guy by any means, but with all the baseball players out there, you carry two Rule Five guys on your 25 man. Uh, you know, I, I just don't see it. So, yeah. and you know, then you have Dusty Baker saying. A couple days ago, he was curious <laughs> about how Joe Padres gave up Joe Ross, and it's like, wow, that that's what really here. Joe Ross, Matt Whistler, you know, you see those guys up with other teams, and it, it, it's 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 mystifying, and it, it's going to be a long, painful summer, I think. Yeah, I, I think uh, unfortunately, you're you're right. It's going to be a kind of a transition period. They don't want to use the rebuilding uh, word, but it's more of a because a transition period, if you will. Well, here's the deal. They don't want to use it, but we're certainly <laughs> going to use it. You know, what's fun is uh, when Marty Schottenheimer was ball coaching with the Chargers, he absolutely hated that word, and we would goad him and needle him every Monday. Uh, something like, hey, Marty, did you when you signed on, did you realize it was going to be such a rebuilding project? And he goes, that word is not in my vocabulary. <laughs> And it's like, sorry, bro, but it's going to be in our stories tomorrow. (laughs) And the Padres can say what they want, but it is absolutely a rebuilding project. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, the writing's on the wall. I mean, with the trade of Kimbrell, the trade of Benoit, they're they're obviously looking towards the future. And, you know, it's tough. I I don't blame them because they'd be chasing their tail if they're trying to chase the Giants and and the Dodgers at this point with with salaries and and the, the the influence of talent that they have. So, you know, maybe it is smart to kind of lay low for a season and try to rebuild towards the future. That's not exactly what Padre fans want to hear. but Well, no, and here's my problem. I've covered this team since 91, and when is the future? Yeah, I hear that's, you. That's the thing. When is the future? What is the blueprint? What mm-hmm. is it going to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, who is it going to involve? I mean, it, it's just, again, hand, hand it to them for trying last year. Unfortunately, it, it failed. But, uh, you know, uh, in, then you hear international signings, this, that, other thing. But already, people, fan, you know, fans aren't stupid. You know, I was standing around a high school baseball game yesterday and talk almost inevitably turns to the Padres. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, uh, what's up with Melvin Upton? All of a sudden now he's starting to hit. They need to trade him right away while he has some value. And that's how fans think. <laughs> um, but, but <laughs> excuse me, but again, what is the future? Mm-hmm. I made a bet. I don't know if you guys remember Disco Danny Hayes with uh, – 
he used to write for the North County Times, which was absorbed and destroyed by the UT, and he he wisely jumped ship to Comcast Chicago during the 2012 season. But earlier that year, you know, Danny Young, impressionable guy, great guy, great writer. He was buying the into the Padres' plan at the time, which was load up on prospects. And I made him a bet one night during a dismal game that the Padres wouldn't have a winning record until 2016, and he jumped on it big time. And I think the bet, it's either a six-pack or a half case. If I <laughs> win it, it's going to be a half case. And then me, being, I always lead with my face. I said, you know what, why don't we make it 2017? And he said, sure. <laughs> and so here we are. Uh, all these years later, well, four years later, and I'm headed toward winning that bet because there's certain, you know, unless there's a miraculous change, they're not going to have a winning record this year. So again, it brings it up. What's the future with these guys? Yeah, yeah I agree. I think that um, there needs to be some sort of, I mean, plan. I mean, obviously the GM maybe has a plan, but he hasn't really made it too obvious and all this talk of oh we're not rebuilding or oh we're restocking or all these words they use to kind of deflect i think it just needs to be upfront. like this is what it is and this is how it's going to be and we're building towards the future and we're actually building towards the future not playing this game where it's every couple years we do the same thing and it never amounts to anything because that's what it's been like the last what 10 years at least oh yeah yeah absolutely um and actually you could say going back to when they you know they they loaded up to get to the world's or get petco built in mm-hmm. 98 the world series was a happy byproduct but then you know they immediately dismantled it and disappeared for 5 years until petco opened and then they bounced back a little bit and and, and now we're going on 10 years without being in the postseason mm-hmm. and they've had failed draft picks they've had failed trades they you know it's just it's not good and you know even Zach Grinke nailed it during spring training when he just made an offhand remark on how he was looking forward to a three-team competition and then he said oh and you know that that's not to slight the other two teams in the division and it's like well you know it was an unintended slight but that's how people look at it yeah that the Padres and Rockies are going to be you know fighting to stay out of the cellar yeah, I think that's definitely probably the feeling among pretty much everyone around the game. But um, I wanted your thoughts on A.J. Preller since we're talking about the future and what the plan is. Do you have any faith in him, or are you kind of skeptical at this point? Well, I mean, I guess give him some time. Um, you know, he is a mystery man, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I just... He he obviously knows how to evaluate talent, or he wouldn't be where he is. Um, maybe he's got a little Bobby Bethard in him, um, which sometimes is good, but isn't <laughs> isn't always good. Yeah. Um, you know, he clearly is his own man. Doesn't really march in lockstep with the other GMs. Likes the. Caribbean players and is trying now to expand to the Asian players and you know I wouldn't be surprised if he's secretly going to be scouting the uh, pro baseball in Holland this summer just for the heck of it see if uh, any of the Dutch guys could play Um, but you know it's uh, I I don't know he's he's hard to, to put a finger on really 
you know, is does he have some great master plan that that we don't yet know about? Um, you know, again, he he certainly is uh, willing to try certain things, but you know, uh, they're obviously high stakes, and and right now, it's uh, I think everybody's waiting for his next next great thing, and you know, if it's uh, all these international signings to come. You know, just remember that the Padres uh, Dominican Academy has has pretty much been a failure up to now. Yeah. So maybe he he has some a, a magic touch, but you know he hasn't uh, really shared with anybody what that blueprint is, other than to say that they're not rebuilding their building. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I think. Uh, I, I guess the the only thing we can do is just say the jury is still out on him. But, you know, this is – I get the sense that a lot of Padre fans are starting to get impatient. And, he, you know, there's not a whole lot of time to rebuild uh, before losing even more of the fan base. Yeah. No, the fans are definitely uh, getting impatient. Um, you know, I mean, you've been here since 91. You, you've, you've witnessed the – the mess that that uh, the Padres have have made of themselves over and over again. I mean, you know, you were here in the beginning when the, when the four tops were were disassembled. Uh, I mean, it's just it's frustrating being a Padre fan. It, it really is. And you know, we, we try to remain positive about the team, but the the just the ownership and the different type of ownership has just constantly put this you know bad taste in, in Padre fans' mouths. Well, you you just nailed it. I mean, it, it all it's always traceable to ownership um you know people who don't like the chargers point to the top spanos um with the padres it's it was the gang of 15 mm-hmm. um and look just i've covered sports long enough to know that just because guys make a lot of money in one business certainly doesn't qualify them to to own or, or co-own or partially own a a, a professional sports franchise it just you know they can do it because it's their money but you know it certainly doesn't qualify like i remember one time i think it was 93 the padres renewed andy bennis during spring training and he was po'd uh he wanted a better deal and one of the gang of 15 said something offhand to the press well can't we just release him and it's like, well, sure, you can release him, but you're going to still owe him the 425000 or whatever it was that, you know, you just renewed him for. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, the, it was the cluelessness of that regime. And then Moores and Lucchino came in, and they did seem to be the good guys saving the franchise. Although, remember, there was no moving van backed up to the loading dock ready to spirit this team away, despite yeah. what some people uh, made it seem like. And then... You know, Moore's punted Lucchino, and they they went through about a president a year. Um, Lucchino lands in Boston and helps, you know, put together the plan that results in, what, three World Series in a decade. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Moore's Moore's went from a good owner to a bad owner. I, I don't think there's any sugarcoating that. No, there isn't. You know, when it, when his divorce affected the team, that wasn't good. And then you know, the layaway sale to Morad was beyond mystifying. I mean, the only thing you really should buy on layaway is a riding lawnmower at Sears. <laughs> for yeah, for Sea really. League to allow that to have happened. Yes. Uh, I remember 
Morad saying at one of his early press conferences, well, if the fans come out to support us, then then we'll consider, um, you know, bolstering the player payroll. I mean, that that couldn't have, there there couldn't have been anything dumber he could have said at the time. So you know, credit this this ownership group. It is trying, but but then. You know, for Moore's and Morad, that group of owners and minority owners, including Ron Fowler, to to spirit off that two hundred million. I'm not sure exactly how it all got divvied up, mm-hmm. but that two hundred million in Fox money. Basically, what the new group did was buy a team valued at six hundred million for eight hundred million, uh, and that clearly has set the franchise back. Mm-hmm. So. You know, again, they're they're trying. They're they seem well intentioned, but it's it's not it's not going very fast, and it's not uh, it's not producing where you know the fans want it, which is in, in the standings. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. You know, I'm a I'm a big tradition guy, and the Padres have just lacked this uh, tradition for a long time, and. And a lot of that has to do with the ownership and the fact that they've constantly uh, given away players or, or given up on players, and when when they're about to make any kind of decent money, it's just it's it's frustrating because baseball is a, a sport of history and it's a sport of tradition, and it seems like the Padres are you know they're constantly changing uniforms, constantly changing you know things around the ballpark. It, you know, I'd just like to see a, some semblance in, in the team and some just just keep it just just keep it basic, if you will. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, you're you're stumbling onto the right things here. The, the changing the uniforms is really getting to be annoying. I mean, I as a yes. sports writer, I really couldn't care less. But when you have five different uniforms, um, I think the focus is way too much on the uniforms rather than the players in the uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, it just becomes, you know, something else to sell in the team gift shop or online. I mean, hey, look, we have five uniforms you can buy. I mean, you look at the good teams, the traditional franchises, they don't tinker with the uniforms. You know, the Dodgers, mm-hmm. the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Cubs. And you look in the NFL, the Packers, the Bears. Um, yeah. You go back to baseball, the Red Sox. Um, they yeah. just have a uniform, a road uniform, a home uniform, you know, and some of them will break down and, and have a, a alternate Sunday top or something like that. But but this mm-hmm. this no this new uniform stuff is just insanely crazy, and and I still don't understand why they just won't break down and and go back to the mustard and mud, the the, the brown yeah. and yellow. You know, it's like the Chargers refusing to go back to the powder blues. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you just that 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 one I think is ownership arrogance. The the Padres, I don't think they've ever given an honest or realistic explanation other than, well, we've done some studies, and you know, most of the fans don't want it. Um, I asked Ron Fowler one time, "Well, could I see the results of these studies?" And his response was, "No." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but seriously, when you look at the, their Friday night uniforms, they are distinctive. Yeah, I mean they're certainly different, but they're distinctive. And why is it that you know every once in a while a rapper or some uh, celeb somewhere is photographed wearing a a, a Padres mustard and mud jacket or a 
hat or something like that. It looks good. It you know it may take some getting used to going back to it, but it looks good. And just the fact that MLB announced that the what is it the home run derby workout day tops are going to be those colors for the All Star game. I mean. You know, they're, they're thinking the right line, but they're probably also thinking, hey, we, we can sell a lot of these to the fans. And, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> excuse me, I'm still fighting a cold. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Padres will be back to their same boring, you know, white with the yellow accent or the blue. But yeah, the it blue. would be nice if they just would go back to that. And whether it's, you know, the solid brown top, the, the pinstripes, it's distinctive. It says San Diego. Yeah, you know yeah. The, the blue says, "Well, we're not sure if we're Cleveland or Tampa <laughs> Bay or you know Stumpy. whatever. We're we're someplace in the you know in the major leagues, but it's certainly not distinctive. And it really would be nice if, if they could, you know, just say, yeah, we're we're going back to it.' Yeah, yeah. No, I I mean I hear you. I, I was never one with the uniforms. That's just something I could care less. I'm more concerned about the product on the field, but this season with, you know, the first three games wearing three different uniforms and, and doing that several times already, it's just, you know, I, I think they have nine different uniforms that they're going to wear this season when you count uh, 4th of July and Mother's Day and Father's Day. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's sad because it's ultimately, it's all about the money and, and fans oh, aren't, yeah, aren't that, absolutely. They, they know that, they, they see that and, and it's it's unfortunate that their bottom line is to pedal jerseys to us rather than, you know, produce a, a quality product on the field. Right. And I, again, I go back to two uniform changes ago when Breakfast Town, Tom Garfinkel was still running the show. I can't remember. They modified the uniforms or did something and they had this splashy little news news conference type thing in the home clubhouse with strobe lights and stuff it was all glitzy and and i that's where i got that line will venable said you know ultimately it, it it's not the uniform it's the guys in the uniform and how we perform yeah. and that's yeah. that's the element that is sadly lacking here the focus is on the uniform and not getting guys in the uniform who can compete for at the very least, a wild card spot. You know, God help us if they ever compete for the division title again. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, you know, the fa- the ownership is about making money, but they just don't seem to realize that you put a quality product out on the field, and and you'll have years after years of sellouts. I mean, how long have the Giants? I mean, aren't they at 150 straight sellouts or something? So, something like that. They they mentioned it last night on the air, but uh, I didn't yeah. catch the actual number. It might, it might be more than that. I mean, that's a yeah, franchise it probably that, is. That, that gets it. I mean, you know, when you look at how they put together a team, they aren't so analytical driven as they are instinct driven. Like this, this guy's a ball player. You know, we need exactly. him. Exactly. I mean, you walk into, this is sort of, you know, veering off the track a little bit, but when you walk into the Giants clubhouse when they're in town, it's a different vibe um, mm-hmm. than the Padres clubhouse. You walk into the Dodgers, it's a different vibe. You walk into the Cardinals, it's a different vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's not to criticize the local nine, but it's just that there is, and granted, when a team's on the road, you know, they're congregating in in, in the clubhouse, but it's, you know, it, it it is just a different vibe. And you look at how the Giants have evolved since 2010 
they have a core of players and they're but they're constantly like the Patriots, you know, all these interchangeable parts have come and gone and mm-hmm. and and they win championships at least every other year they do. This year, you know, they're not not exactly burning it up early, but who knows, maybe they will late. Uh, and it's the same in the ballpark. When the Giants are in town, there's a different vibe. And I'm not, you know, I know that'll tick off the hardcore Padre fans, but as a writer, I noticed that. There's a different vibe if you notice when the Cardinals were in town. There was a lot of red in Petco Park all weekend long. There was a lot of red in the gas lamp. Yeah. Uh, whether they're locals who are Cardinal fans or obviously a lot of out-of-towners came in, which is good for the San Diego economy, you know, pump up that TOT to get that Dean Spanos dome built <laughs> and nail the Cardinal yeah. fans. But again, it, it's a different vibe when those teams are in town. I remember one last year when it was so dismal, the Giants were here early September and it was, you know, the good, the baseball vibe was in the club, in the visiting clubhouse. It was in the, in the stands, but then, Giants left and the Rockies came in and it was like, you know, going from a, a club scene to a, you know, the library. It, it just <laughs> went from 60 to zero. And, yeah. and that just, yeah. that has to do with, you know, these teams that are perennially in, in the race. And, you know, I know we started on uniforms and that where that's, this is where we are. But again, if they would focus a little less on, the uniforms and the ballpark experience because yeah, it's the entertainment the, right the ballpark experience needs to include competing for a division title yes, yes. yeah i, I mean that's I why everyone's there S, yeah i don't care about sd and hd or <laughs> yeah, exactly. get your picture on the screen i mean the pod squad i will hand it to whoever runs that they've got a different vibe this year too most some nights they look like USC song girls. Some nights they look like UCLA cheerleaders. That's fine, but we you know maybe if they put the same detail into revamping the bullpen, you know they wouldn't have these insidious, whatever the word is, meltdowns <laughs> in in the late innings. And the ballpark experience could include more victories. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm completely indifferent to the color brown. Like I could care less. I'm just, I don't want to hear about it anymore. I wish they would just pick a damn color and stick to it and not have this conversation every, it seems like every day someone's talking about where's the brown or I like the the new jerseys or it's like, who cares? Like I want a team that actually is good and can stay good and win for years. I don't care about what the hell they're wearing. They could wear pink for all I care as long as they're winning games. Yeah, that, that'd be radical, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, let's go with pink and black jerseys. And... Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to get back to a little, I guess, on-the-field stuff. Um, I wanted your impression of Andy Green. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure if you've had conversation with him or any interaction, but uh, what do you think of him so far as a manager? What are we, like almost three weeks into this, this season now? Well, see, I, I look at him... I look at all managers, first of all, on how they deal with the press, because that's our main main interaction with them. Um, and, and so far, he's been great. I mean, he's he's personable. He's the kind of guy who remembers your name, you know, the day after he first meets you. Not that that's big to outsiders, but that helps. You know, we have to, as scribes, we have to develop a working relationship with uh, managers, coaches, et cetera, and, and he's great. Um you know, he has been from the very start. He was good at spring training. He gives you, 
pretty much what you need. He gives injury updates, which is very unlike ball coach McCoy over at the, uh, the fortress. Um, <laughs> and you know, he's just, a he, he understands we have a job and, and he helps us do it. Um, you know, he managed, I think, for four years in the minor leagues, won a couple of championships, or at least one championship, was manager of the year a couple times um, in, I can't remember which league it was, the last league he was in. But, you know, he gets it, and that that's, what, that's all we ask for. And I, I like the fact he got ejected the other night. That was, you know, yeah. sometimes a guy has to... And he didn't do it to fire up the fellas. He did it because he felt the, you know, the Padres had been wronged. He didn't like the reversal of the reversal. And he threw his cap and he kicked his cap. And, you know, <laughs> that's good to see. Um, and, and, again, the the uh, this Friday night exhibition game against Chicago, it, it was great. This tells you a lot about the guy. It went, the, after a, a game, win or lose, there's this room off the – clubhouse where the where the skipper does his interviews there's a podium and a bunch of chairs and there were only three writers in there that night i guess everybody else said in the media had something else to do and the the, the we heard a knock on the door the door that leads into the clubhouse it, it was locked and somebody got up and opened it and here's greeny and one of the pr guys and greeny had been locked out of the manager's room no big deal he walks up to the podium and the microphone was stuck about you know greenie's a short guy and the microphone was adjusted about eight inches above his head and he looked at it and goes well that's pretty high isn't it so you know instead of throwing a tantrum like some prima donna might he just pulled up a chair and and sat down with the three scribes and we talked about the game i mean to me that that's very telling about a guy he he knows he can go with the flow and you know, he, he doesn't overreact. He doesn't underreact. He, you know, just sat down and started talking ball with the fellas. And, and again, to me, that, that's all, that's all we ask is to just have a good cordial relationship with, uh, with the guy. And so far, you know, it's good. Good. Yeah. My impression has been nothing but good so far. I mean, there's been a few questionable on field decisions, but I, I think that's all just expected with a new manager first time in, in the bigs. So, um, but I think he's, he's done everything right. He said everything right. And I think this is really a guy that they can win with as, I mean, it just comes from the front office. They need to put, um, better players on the field, but I think he can definitely, um, be that kind of guy. Right. Absolutely. And the key, like you said, he, they got to give him a better stable of players to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you know, definitely. I think, you know, this season is about kind of a tryout period, if you will, kind of get, uh, players defensively and offensively that Green can work with, players that, that uh, are his type of ball players. And I, I think that the uh, Padres are going to use this season as, as kind of, like I say, a tryout period, if you will, for the for the team for the future. Yeah, they, they are, which, again, is unfortunate because it's just another lost season. You know, yeah. it gets me closer to winning my bet with Disco Danny Hayes. And I told him, <laughs> Disco Danny Hayes, that he can go ahead and pay me when he's back in town for the All-Star game. You know, there's there's no need in waiting until the, uh, until the <laughs> end of the season. He can just pay up when he's in town and, you know, we'll, we'll get it over with. 
You don't you don't see a twenty game re- win streak in the Padres' uh, future or anything like that. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's hard enough for them to get a. I don't think they've had a three game win streak, have they? No, no, they haven't. They had that two game. I think they've had two two gamers, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. If yeah. my math, if if my memory serves me, that's so sad. yeah. And again, it's just it's unfortunate that you know it, it's back to. You know, it's it's what what April twenty is today the twenty seventh, I guess, and and twenty sixth, mm. April twenty sixth, and it's already this wait till next year mentality. You know, yeah. that, that usually happens around the trading deadline or August or something, early September when the wheels come off, and you know, unless there's some some great miracle some great reawakening i you know that's where it is it's i mean there are already people on twitter you know the countdown to 100 losses that <laughs> that's that's now very definitely in play Oof. and you know that that's not a good thing no that 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 sounds horrible to my ears right there <laughs> yeah you know it, it is what it is Padre fans, you know, it's tough. I, I've been a Padre fan my whole life, and it's just, it's just come one frustration after another, if you will. I mean, I mean, look at look at Jerko coming back uh, this weekend and just uh, annihilating us. I mean, it's just, yeah, you, you could have almost, you could have almost predicted that. I mean, you really could. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the numbers he put up, you know, six for eleven and two homers and a triple. Yeah, I think it was four ribbies, and he didn't even start Friday night. Yeah, I was just going to say, Matheny, Matheny cost himself a loss by not starting him for a Yeah, play. exactly. He screwed up. And, and you know, and Matheny nailed it, too. It's like, hey, you know, if a guy's going to get booed, Jed reacted the right way. You know, go oh, out yeah. and stick it in their ear. And and I loved him slamming the bat down after the three-run jack on Saturday night. You know, if you go back and look at the video, he, you know, it wasn't a bat flip. He just wham slammed it into the ground, sort of like a you know what San Diego, yeah, you know, yeah. second second deck shot, and and here we go. And then uh, for him to do what he did on Sunday, and then he said, "Hey, I, I hope uh, you know when I go back to St. Louis, they they boo me there too." May you know, yeah. Yeah, obviously he was joking, but that that got a charge out of a lot of people. I think he took yeah, an over three last, but you know, <laughs> you know, it's just it is it's just so predictable. And yeah, he underperformed here, but you know why? Uh, again, it's sort of that lingering question: Why did they give him that big contract? You know, barely yeah. uh, he was one full season and two weeks into his second full season in the big leagues when they gave him a thirty-six million dollar extension. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. just they, they talk about control and we got a control of this guy for six years. And then it was almost like somebody felt the desperate need to have a splashy news conference. And so, OK, we're yeah. going to give Jerko 36. Hey, and, you know, if somebody gave you 36 million, you wouldn't say no, would you? Yeah, exactly. uh, and I think that's the perspective Padre fans need. You know, if they want to boo somebody, boo the front office, boo ownership. Yeah, yeah, they're the yeah. ones who, who all of a sudden decided, hey, you know, we got control of this guy for five more years, but let's give him thirty-six million over well, those in, years. In fairness to Preller, that wasn't really his. Well, he guy. wasn't. He wasn't here, but D and yeah, and uh, Fowler and, and Seidler, they were here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that—that's you know maybe you know don't, don't boo the front office, but boo ownership. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know they're—they're they're the ones who drop up that much cash in his lap, and whether he didn't earn it, that's 
almost beside the point. What ball player is going to say, uh, you know what, why don't we wait till I'm approaching free agency and you give me that kind of money? But they said, yeah. hey, yeah. you know, you're you're not, you're just starting your second full year. Here's 36 mil. Can I just say yeah. I, I don't understand the the need to boo a player that was traded. It, it seems kind of silly to me. It's not like right. It's not uh, like I, he chose to leave out of spite. It's like it's not like we treated him well when he was here anyway. So right, exactly, and that that came up too. What you know? I think a lot of it Saturday night was probably alcohol fueled. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you get your knuckleheads pounding the eleven dollar beers. And oh, Joe, he used to be one of us, but he's not anymore. I don't think, you know, I'm guessing that a lot of knuckleheads in the stands might not have realized that he was traded. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's sort of a scary, sad thought. Like, that, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's not one of us anymore, and I've, I'm on my third beer. Why don't yeah. we boo? So, yeah. you know, the hate, the hate was a little less on Sunday until he started, you know, Hitting, hitting the at the triple, and then the homer. But you know what? Good for him. That, that's what that's what guys should do. You get booed, stick yeah. it in their ear. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, he he was definitely motivated, and and he uh, he definitely made a statement. That's for sure. Yeah, and you know, Adrian Gonzalez might be a little bit different. Uh, he he got traded, but he had said some things like, "Well, I do I do I really want to stay in San Diego long term?" He Clearly didn't like Petco Park. You know, maybe that's a little bit different. But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Jer- Jericho didn't ask to be traded. He just got traded. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. It's it's, it's just a, it's frustrating, like I say, being a Padre fan and seeing former players come back. I mean, you, you brought up Adrian. Adrian, seeing him in a Dodger uniform just absolutely kills me every time I see it. It's just and the extra motivation that he has to hurt the Padres is there. So it kind of it kind of makes you think about what what is the ownership doing to these players that they leave on such a sour note, you know what I mean? They they don't leave happily. They leave pissed off and they come back with a vengeance against the team. Right. Yeah. And, and see that's unfortunate too because he left during the Morad regime and they didn't even make an offer to try to keep him here. They just yeah. they just yeah. assumed we can't match what you want. But, you know, but at least try, at least, yeah. you know, just go in and say, look, don't don't take this as an insult because, you know, so many guys say, well, they made an offer, but it was an insulting offer. Just go in and say, look, you understand our financial situation. We understand your needs, your wants. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Here's where we are. Don't take it as an insult, but this is the best we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, take it or leave it, and let's leave. If you go, let's let's at least remain friends. But they didn't even make an offer. No. no. And yeah. so, granted, maybe they they knew they were they they wouldn't come close. But at least try, or you know, get creative. Uh, try to figure something out. I mean, d- despite what he thought about Petco Park and wanting to try greener fields, you know, here you have a a bilingual guy. He lived in TJ yeah. in San Diego. You know, you know well, what better face for a franchise than yeah. on the border than a bilingual guy and, and a solid, upstanding guy. You know, he never got in trouble off the field. Um, mm. You know, solid citizen, um, great he's, family. He's only three home runs away from, uh, I think, Colbert's uh, franchise right. record. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but but they, they made zero attempt to keep him. And, you know, hey, when it came time to go, it's like, go. Yeah, no, I, that 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 move in itself set me back 
uh, as a Padre fan for for quite a few, quite a little bit of time because you know I'm a South Bay guy. Adrian's a South Bay guy, and you know he was by far my favorite Padre. And you know after losing Gwen um, for his retirement, I, I viewed uh, Adrian as you know a potential Hall of Famer, someone that could build a franchise around, someone who would be here long term. And like you say, they they made no attempt to to bring to bring him back. Uh, his agent was John Boggs, who was right. Tony Gwynn's agent. Yep. Who's you know notorious for you know working with the Padres would, and they never even got to that point. So it's just right. It, it and, and yeah, and 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 Boggs, there's no more solid agent than John Boggs. Exactly. I mean, he he is a stand-up guy. He's not a me first look at me. He has a relatively small stable of guys. He doesn't overextend himself. He doesn't you know have this huge operation where he's got a lot of guys mm-hmm. and a lot of agents under him. He's a hands-on guy, you know, and he's the one who told me. He was I talked to him every night during that saga and he was very mm-hmm. frustrated about how it came down. You know, he had to go to Boston to help sort some things out. I think they were getting some grief on uh, from the bo- on the Boston end too on, on structuring the contract or mm-hmm. you know structuring an extension yeah, and, and he yeah. Bogsy told me they look the Padres didn't even try they didn't make an offer and, and you know Bogsy's the kind of guy that you could say look John you live in San Diego your practice is here uh, you've represented Tony Gwynn and some other top flight guys you understand mm-hmm. our financial plight if we he would say, okay, I'll, I'm all ears. What do you got? Uh, and they would make yeah, their yeah. offer, and Bugsy could, might say, you're right. That, that's, you know, it's not going to work, but thank you for trying. You know, yeah. Bugs is that kind of guy. He wouldn't dismiss them all out of hand and hold a press conference and say the Padres are a bunch of cheapos. But, you know, he was very frustrated. They didn't even make an offer. So, yeah. you know, just another chapter in uh, – and as Tony Gwynn himself, you know, God rest him, rest his soul, would have said, "Hey, we're the pods." Yeah, you know, no, I, uh, which was code for we screwed up again because we're the pods. It seems yeah. like, hey, we're the pods. It seems like San Diego has like a thing for burning bridges. Like, just look at the Chargers. I mean, most recently with Eric Weddle, it's like they don't know how to handle, I guess, guys leaving or guys wanting to leave or contracts expiring. It always is the same story. Like. Some bridge gets burned, someone's pissed off, and we always end up looking like idiots. Right. In fact, uh, the line that's been floating out there with the Chargers, and I told Weddle this early last season, and he got a chuckle out of it, and I actually wrote it, mm-hmm. is the Chargers make you a star, someone else makes you a champion. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, you, look, you look, you know, Drew Brees won a Super Bowl with uh, the Saints. Rodney Harrison went on. And I believe he got two rings with the Patriots. Uh, Junior Seau came within two minutes of getting a ring with the Patriots. Um, You know, yeah, the talent they've run. And it's true. And I I said, I told him, look, uh, as painful as this is personally, and, you know, he has a lot of pride. I said, you're going to go somewhere else and you're going to be better off. And it was hard for him to argue that. Uh, And it, it is mystifying why they... You know, now now to charge your bash a little bit, you know, when they, tr- quote-unquote, traded Sayo instead of having a, yes. you know, a press conference at their facility with Dean Spano sitting there saying, we never saw this coming, but it's a tough part of the business. 
you know, like uh, I think the Cowboys did that with Emmett Smith sitting there and Jerry Jones, a tearful newser. They just Junior had a press conference at his restaurant. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it couldn't have been any more classless of the Chargers to have done that. I mean, this is Junior Sale for crying out loud, and you know he he's holding a press conference. Uh, they set up a little thing for him. Right in front of the door to the kitchen, you know yeah. what? What the hell's that all about? Yeah, uh, and you know, and then he remember they the uh, the Dolphins were scheduled to come back and play here in '03. That was the game that got moved to Phoenix because of the wildfires. Um, mm-hmm. But he had a count countdown clock in his restaurant. It, nobody really knew if you were just an average customer in for a sandwich or mama's chicken or whatever it was you have no idea what it was but he had a countdown clock uh for the kickoff time for the dolphins chargers that year that's how motivated he was you know to come back and stick it in their ear so but yeah Yeah. it's unfortunate that these things just aren't done right and you know you know some people are still bent out of shape about the way you think Weddle handled things but you know, uh, to, again, to bring up a Tony Gwynnism, you got to do what you got to do, and and Weddle felt he had to do what he did, yeah. and so he's off to the other side of the country. And you know, he he was very clear about, hey, I'm building a new house here. I'm, you know, we're still going to live here. You know, when he retires, he will live in wherever. I don't know if it's Poway or Escondido, but so mm-hmm. somewhere in North County. But he is going to live in San Diego after he retires, and he's. You know, very family oriented. Uh, you know, when when he left every night when he left the complex, it wasn't to go clubbing or something. It was to go back to the family. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the kind of guy you want in the locker room because, you know, he's got the same kind of values as Philip Rivers does: first one in, last one out type guy. And he's gone. So yeah, yeah. The 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 PR. For both these teams, is just it's atrocious. It really is. I mean, they they both just I don't I don't know what it is. They just don't have a clue when it comes to dealing with fans' emotions and 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 predicting what fans would feel. It just seems like you know I understand it's a business and both both teams are a business, but there's a lot of uh, fan interaction that needs to be taken into consideration when it comes to making moves like this. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the Chargers, it's institutional arrogance. I mean, with that, that's pretty much how it is around the NFL. But, you know, here, you know, it, it's definitely institutional arrogance. With the Chargers, yeah. with the Padres, you know, during the Morad regime, it was just institutional cluelessness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they had a bad ball squad, yet we were being told San Diego's a breakfast town. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, just part of that massive disconnect that, okay, we understand you're pumping up the ballpark experience and you're serving breakfast on the warning track on Sunday, but how the hell is the ball team going to be this year? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, again, cluelessness, disconnect, whatever you want to say, it's just, just the San Diego way. Yeah, and it's it's ironic that you know both both uh, ownership groups. You know, you've had Spanos that's owned the team forever, and you've had the Padres that have gone through multiple owners, and and neither neither way can kind of figure out what they're doing as far as uh, handling public relations and and dealing with the fan base. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate, and you know, the, with the Chargers, uh, there's a, a a small core 
group of fans, I'm guessing it's small, I'm going to say it's small, that is is very willing to forgive and forget what happened last year, but I think there's a very large portion of the general citizenry and the fan base that that is not they're not you know they're not going to just say oh gosh dean yes let's look forward and not back and it's like you try you were screwing us over last year trying to move to la and now you want you know hundreds of millions for this convadium thing and you know i think they're going to get a shock on election day and it's because of the way that they've treated the fans yeah now the general the, the the electorate is getting involved and I just don't think it's going to play out well. No, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, we're running a little over. Um, I have one final question for you uh, before we let you go. Uh, it's Charger related. We're, we're typically a, a Padre podcast, but I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on what the Chargers will do with the uh, number three pick. Uh, my guess is they're going to pick a football player. <laughs> does, that, does that help? That, that, um, that narrows it down. Okay, you know, I have no idea. I, as a scribe, I hope desperately they don't trade down because I just want to get in there, write my story, and go home um, Mm -hmm. rather than sitting through the last, uh, what would it be, uh, 29 picks. Um, I don't know. This Ramsey kid from Florida State seems intriguing. you know, somebody made a good point. I mean, they, they've locked up their tackles um, long-term, but, you know, just because you lock them up long-term doesn't mean you you can't add another piece and, you know, uh, and let them get in there and compete for playing time. Uh, A.J. Smith and I sparred early and often on a lot of things, but the one thing I liked about him was his line them up three deep and let them compete. Yeah. You know, so if they get Tunsil, I mean, you just you, that that offensive line was horrible. A yes. lot of it had to do with injuries, but hey, guess what, everybody? Football's a contact sport. <laughs> uh, guys get hurt. It happens, and and, and you got to wonder too. You know, some of the, some of those injuries might be technique related. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I would think that they need to lean offense, but you know, maybe Tommy terrific Telesco has to go with the sexy pick and, and, and pick Ramsey and pump up the defense a little bit. So I know that yeah. isn't exactly giving you an answer, but you know, I guess you guys can flip a coin and decide for me yeah. as that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're leaning towards Ramsey or, or Tunzel. You know, you, you know, who knows at this point. Uh, I'm sure Telesco's uh, working the phones and, and, you know, anything can right. happen at this point. And no, no matter what happens, uh, no matter who they pick, they'll come out in their press conference and say, we got exactly who we wanted to get. Yeah. Of course, this year it'll exactly. be easy because- since uh, the Rams and the Eagles are you know, expected to take quarterbacks, so that opens the door for the Chargers to get who, we, who they want. But, you know, they'll say, yeah, we got exactly who we had our eyes on. Top-ranked guy on the board. Yeah. Here he is. So. The, the cliches will flow. Oh, a- absolutely. <laughs> so. All right. Okay, so well, thank, thank you so much. Yeah, no, it, you know, it, it, who knows what, what, what direction they're going. It's tough to, yeah. to predict at this point. Yeah. All right, Bernie. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on our podcast and, and uh, talking some baseball and a little bit of Charger football with us. We, we really enjoyed it. You're a, you're a wealth of uh, information. Anytime, guys. It was fun. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, have, a, have a great one, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. See Take you guys later. Okay. <laughs>
Bye-bye. All right, folks, that was uh, Bernie Wilson, uh, San Diego sports writer for the Associated Press since 1991. Uh, you can follow Bernie on uh, Twitter at Bernie Wilson. Um, he's he's a great guy. He's uh, he's he's waiting for the championship uh, like all of us uh, for both teams, and uh, he's um, he's frustrated like a, like a majority of the fans. Yeah, I can definitely sense that frustration, and he had a lot of good points to make about kind of what's wrong, not only with the Padres, but with the Chargers as well. So Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks, uh, folks. We ran a little bit over uh, on our podcast uh, this week, but uh, Bernie's a, a great guest, and uh, we had a lot to talk with him uh, about. Um, Padres are on the road right now in San Francisco. Uh, hopefully they can open up the, uh, even up the series uh, today. Uh, James Shields is on the mound. Um Patrick, any uh, any thoughts about today's game? Um, let's hope James Shields pitches well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We My can, only we thought. Can use him. Yeah, for sure. All right, folks, thank you so much for for joining in uh, and listening to us. Uh, we, we had a ball. Uh, this was our nineteenth uh, podcast. Uh, Patrick, if you want to send us out, we are good to go. Yeah, we are on Podbean as always. East Village Times podcast. Uh, give us a shout on there. We're also on iTunes. Uh, give us a review. That would be much appreciated. Um, James is on Twitter at EVT underscore news. I'm That's So Padres, which is very fitting for the last couple <laughs> of days. Um, and, yeah, that, keep listening. Thank you so much, folks. Have a great day. Uh, East Village Times podcast signing out.